Sometimes I like to imagine the world after us, the strange mammals that will emerge, the abundance of biodiverse plant life taking over our fields and factories and so on. I don't think this world will be better. I maintain that we are the most interesting thing to happen on Earth, and there is real beauty and meaning in our curiosity and compassion, even as we also cause and witness so much suffering. But at any rate, there will be a world after us, after each of us. And that's why there's life insurance. It exists to provide a financial safety net to those who love and count on you. Policy Genius's technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. So save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Policy Genius. Because there will be a world without us. And John. Or as I prefer to think of it, dear John and Hank. It's a podcast where two brothers answer your questions, give you dubious advice, and bring you all the week's news from both Mars and AFC Wimbledon. John, do you know about my Jingle Bell Rock? No, but I'm so excited to find out. It's the rock that I throw at people when they start singing Christmas songs before Thanksgiving. (laughs) It's not really a dad joke. It's just a a thing that you feel strongly about. Yeah, no, it's not even. It's just a pun that I liked. I actually like like Christmas music all the time. I don't like it all the time, but I have no problem with it before Thanksgiving. Here's the thing, Hank. Mm -hmm. We're all going to be dead in a few decades. (laughs) It's all going back to dust, Hank. This dust organized itself into an incredibly Mm -hmm. complicated thing that has opinions about Christmas music, and that dust is going back to dust. And whenever I hear people... And I know I have a lot of hills I would die on that are stupid hills, like yep. most of them related to football. But whenever I hear, hear people fighting about Christmas songs in November, I just want to like lean over and whisper into their ears, we're all going to be dead soon. <laughs> <laughs> but the hard drives that hold Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas on You will outlast us all. First off, that's not the name of the song. Second off, if that were the name of the song, the song would be so much better. What's the name of the song? All I Want for Christmas is You. What did I say? You said All I Want for Christmas on You. No, I didn't. Uh, uh, let's. Can we play back the that's tape? <laughs> Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas on You. That's <laughs> Our first question comes from John, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I don't know when you're reading this. Me neither, John, but I know that it has the cold embrace of death approaches. Wow. My name is John and I'm a dentistry student. I need your help. My final project is a group project. What? What? For dentistry school? And it's a 45-minute film? What? what? Oh, dentist. I am I'm done. I'm never going to see a dentist again. Yeah, Hank. <laughs> Listen, I think there's a place for group projects, and I think there's a place for film projects, and I think the place for neither of those things is dentistry school. I don't want my dentist to be an excellent YouTuber. I 
actively want my dentist to not be a YouTuber. Keep hitting me. Maybe this will make sense if we keep going. The twist is that we need to incorporate the process of making complete dentures into the film. Well, I mean, that is at least vaguely dentistry related. Since you both wrote books and John has the track record of having successful movies and series adapted from his books, Mm. it's a bit of a dig at Hank there. (laughs) I need ideas slash concepts for this film. The only place we can be allowed to film are in the school and in one of my classmates' settlement area, which is like a condo. Where are you going to school that there's a settlement area? Is this like, are you in a moon colony? (laughs) The genre is a mix of comedy and drama. Well, of course it's a mix of comedy and drama, or either of the two. Okay, so... You can't make or a... it could just be drama, <laughs> dramatic. Well, it has to be. I mean, this when you're dealing worst. with something so serious, I, I, nobody who goes to this dental school should ever be allowed to become a dentist. <laughs> this is a disaster. <laughs> Your help is greatly appreciated. Having a dental dilemma, John. So, John, here's the thing, man. You're not having a dental dilemma. No. And that is what concerns me. Yeah. You're having a filmmaking <laughs> dilemma in dental school. <laughs> I mean, so not since that, that young person had to dress up as a clown for an advertisement for her college <laughs> have I been so disturbed by news from higher education. Forget about rising tuition. Forget about student loans crushing the souls of America's young people. We can't have our dentists becoming filmmakers. Uh, but we're not solving the problem, John. We've been asked to solve a specific problem, which is how do you incorporate denture making into a 45-minute film that is either a comedy or drama or both? 45 minutes? 45 minutes! I mean, it's a, it's an I've epi- never made a 45-minute video, and this is my job! It's an episode of Law & Order SVU. <laughs> <laughs> that you have to make to get out of dental school. You, you've done it, John. Okay, you have to make the dentures mm-hmm. so that you can solve a crime. Yes. It's crime dentures. Yes, you did it. You need like, you need to like ma- match a bite mark. Yes. And so, and then, and the cops call you and the, there's a crack team of denture dentists. Yes. And they're working hard day and night to solve the crime. And then the crime people come to you because they know you're about to solve the crime. So the crime people are now trying to murder you and you're locked in the dentist office and you have to dig your way out through the secret dental cavern that every dentist office has. Yes. And that's a complete secret and nobody knows about it because it's super creepy. Right. Everything except for the last thing. Hank, (laughs) you taking my joke about Law & Order SVU and turning it into a realistic plot is a wonderful example of the difference between your books and my books, because (laughs) that is brilliantly plotted. It's airtight. It's wonderful. It's got everything. Mm -hmm. My idea was to have two dental students Mm -hmm. slowly fall in love while building this set of dentures over 45 minutes and literally nothing happens except the dentures get built and they have a conversation. And at the end of the conversation, as they're like putting in the last fake tooth, one of them says to the other, I think the most beautiful smile in the world is this denture. (laughs) The second most beautiful (laughs) smile in the world is yours. And then they kiss. It's absolutely wonderful. John, you're welcome for having given you two top-notch ideas to complete this terrible, terrible assignment.
And in either case, uh, at least one of the characters has to die. Oh, yeah, of course. This next question comes from Allison, who asks, Dear Hank and John, in art class... Oh, God, what's going to happen now? I made a paper mache mask of an anglerfish. Okay, this sounds great. In in art class, I had to uh, drill a hole in a molar and uh, stuff it full of some amalgam to treat a cavity. Look, I'm all I'm all for liberal arts education and people studying lots of things. But in art class, you make art and in dentist class, you learn dentisting. Okay, so you made a paper mache anglerfish. Great. I very much like my anglerfish and I would like to display it, but it really doesn't match my room decor. Should I go full anglerfish and completely redecorate my room or just burn the anglerfish? Anglerfish and apples, Allison. Also, what do I name it? P.S. So, taking the the latter part of the question first, John, what is it good? You need to give me five names in the next five seconds. Albus. Alblister. Alfie, algae, and Al Gore. <laughs> Good. Okay. So pick one of those five. Okay. Perfect. And for the former part of your question, John, should we have an anglerfish bonfire or go all anglerfish in the room decor? I'm a big fan of making the destruction of your art part of your art. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite things that contemporary artists do sometimes. So that would be my preference just from a pure art perspective. And and I actually have to recommend against fire in this case. So here's the situation. When an anglerfish is in the deep sea, it is under extreme pressure of all of that water up above it. And then when it's it's caught by a scientist, oftentimes on the way up, if you don't actually put them in a pressure chamber, the the difference, so it's not like it's terrible for the anglerfish to be down there. It, it's supposed to be there. But the difference as it rises through the water column of that pressure, it's, it's such a shocking difference that the anglerfish can actually explode. Mm. So if you want to really make this like part of your art, you need to blow up the anglerfish. Now, you're going to have to be careful about this, but this is what art is about. It's about taking risks. Uh, as as is so often the case, if, if you just end Hank's advice before the last sentence, it's great advice. <laughs> I have an alternate way of blowing up your anglerfish that does not mm. involve the acquisition and utilization of dynamite. Uh, it's called a balloon. Oh, that's fun. An actual air pressure situation. Yeah. Yeah. You get one of those big balloons and you just pump it full until the whole thing pops. Yeah. Like that. That's beautiful. Okay, sure. We've solved yeah. your problem, Allison. You're welcome. But, uh, but far be it from me to say don't like once you do explode your anglerfish, you should then go and do a whole deep sea decor switch in your bedroom, but not related to the existence of the anglerfish just because that's a good idea. All right, Hank, we have another question. It's from Anonymous, and it's one of those questions that we get every so often that's just so perfect, I almost can't believe it. But then there is photo evidence that makes me inclined to believe it. Anonymous writes, Dear John and Hank, hypothetically, If one were to stumble upon, say, a bag containing roughly 1,500 tiny pictures of a pregnant Harry Styles, what should one do with them? Anonymous. Oh, this is very good. I mean, first of all, you just have to to drop to your knees and thank the universe. Right. You know, like sometimes when you're walking around, you'll find a $10 bill 
on the mm-hmm. on the ground or something, and you'll pick it up and you'll say like, "Oh, things must be going okay for me for the next couple of days." But when you look down and you see what appears to be a very large plastic bag mm-hmm. that is literally full of fifteen hundred, mm-hmm. maybe like three inch high, one and a half I inch wide, small. yes, pictures of a pregnant Harry Styles. Mm-hmm. That's when you know that like the whole rest of your life is going to be great. I don't mean to, like, stomp on any ideas you've had, but the obvious thing to do here is to send those pregnant Harry Styleses to Missoula, Montana, where we will then distribute them as Project for Awesome perks. I mean, I don't really care how I get one of these pictures (laughs) of a pregnant Harry Styles, but I feel very strongly that I get one. Right. John, first send them to Indianapolis. John will sign them, then send them to Missoula. I will sign them. I mean, he he looks so happy about being pregnant, too. Have you seen the picture? It's in the file, Hank. Oh, it is. Scroll it is. down. It's real. I'm so glad. I was worried it wasn't real. Oh, oh. my gosh. He does look so happy. He's just, he's, he's glowing. He's glowing. Well... No, I mean, ab- this is perfect. Those are abs- those were asking to be signed by Hank and John Green. Maybe we could get Mr. Styles himself involved. Probably not. He seems like a busy guy. Yeah, but it's for charity. Somebody's got to know him. He's got friends, and his friends have friends. Oh, I don't know. I'm I just going to send him a like quick it. tweet. Oh, God. Does he have a Twitter? Hopefully not. He appears to not have a Twitter. Oh, that's too bad. Well, never Is it too that. bad, Hank? Or did Harry Styles make exactly the right call? Oh, no, there he is. Oh, okay. He's not following me, so I can't DM him. Oh, God. The How do you make it through the day? <laughs> Boy, he looks great. I am looking at his, uh, at, at, at his Twitter biopic. Mm-hmm. I can't get to Twitter, but I can get to all of these Twitter clones. It's terrible. Right. I don't even want to tell you about the, the dark habits of people who don't have Twitters but still can get to Twitter. Yeah. But anyway, his picture is phenomenal this week in ryan's uh, okay we're gonna make harry styles this week this week's ryan harry ryan styles you can go find out more at patreon.com slash dear hank and john and access our really really bad weekly podcast <laughs> called this week in ryan's which is wrapping <laughs> yeah. up we should add yeah we will be finishing it and introducing a new podcast shortly yeah so, so if you have any suggestions for new patreon only podcasts that are like five minutes long that are not Hank and I talking about the life and career of a random human being. We'd love to hear your ideas. This next question comes from Mary, who asks, do I need to comment or talk to my boss about the book that they lent me? I'm almost done. Not the mother of Christ, Mary. Thanks for clarifying that, Mary. I did this when I first had employees. I was I started to like like be like this would be a good book for everybody at the company to read, and then immediately I stopped doing that. Yeah, there was another question this week from someone who said, "Hey, my boss uh, asked me to come into their office so that they could show me them doing one push up, and then they did one push up. What do I say after I watch my <laughs> boss do one push up?" <laughs> And the answer is that it is not your fault that your boss has not yet figured out how to be a boss. <laughs> and hopefully there's nothing oh, like malicious or weird in that. Or well, no, there's definitely something so. weird in it. But hopefully yes. there's nothing nothing malicious in it. It's just that they're weird and they're yeah. uncomfortable and they think that this is going to build team or something and they're just mistaken. Yeah. And I, I feel the same way. Like I have I have pointedly not 
given space truck to complexly employees precisely because mm-hmm. I don't want them to be like, oh, I got to talk <laughs> to the boss about this thing. Yeah. Now I have to read this and then like affirm their existing beliefs. If you were part of the narrative of the push up, like if you had known that this is part of an existing story and they'd be like working toward this push up, then that's a totally normal thing to do. But it is such a not normal thing to do without any context. Oh. Yeah, listen, I don't even know that it's a totally normal thing to do with context. Like, imagine that over the last three months, I'd been talking in the office about how I, I really want to do 100 push-ups in a row. Mm-hmm. And then I come in one day and I say, no, yeah, you're right. Y'all, I can do 100 push-ups in a row now. Everyone would be like, hey, that's great. What's uh, what's going on with Crash Course this week? And then and you'd I'd be, be like, like, shush, no, no, shush, no. I'm going to do 100 push-ups right now yeah. and you're all going to look at me. Yeah, let's stop work. Let's <laughs> let's stop what we do here to uh, generate income together and instead witness a hundred consecutive push-ups. Like that's weird, Hank. Be a part be a part of my story. Yes, I agree. You are right. I, I think that ultimately you probably should, and this is the thing, right? Is that it this this Im- imbalance in power is is what the problem is, because you kind of have to now say an insightful, positive thing about the book you were lent. And also it might be that the book is not reflective of your values or that like the book is some kind of like polemic or something. And then you're stuck Mm -hmm. being like, oh yeah, no, I was really interested to read this spirited Mm -hmm. defense of fascism. Thank you for sharing (laughs) it with me. Like you don't have to, but it's, it's the thing to do if you want to like maintain a good standing like a or or like increase your standing in your boss's eyes it's like an opportunity to i hate that to, though i it's just, i know to me, i agree this is all but it's the, the thing boss. it's the thing to do yeah it's all on the boss but like they're the person in power and so you i agree that it's the wrong way to be a boss but like responding to it one way or the other and except for like doing the thing that hurts your career and saying this is weird like you can't do that because they're the one in power. Right. But like not doing anything doesn't like tell them that this is a bad boss strategy. That's a good and, point. Yeah. Okay. So, so there is a there is a time when it's okay for a boss to give employees a book, right? Which is when the book is about how do companies like ours do better? Right. And this is my mm-hmm. new management strategy, and I'm introducing it to you in the form of a book. Like maybe that's okay. Maybe, but it, that's in that case, it's asking for out of hours work. Right. That's true. That's a good point. So no, that's not okay. I take it back. I, here's what I would say. Unless you're like a C-level employee. Off topic. Yeah. When people refer to C-level employees Mm -hmm. until like two weeks ago, (laughs) I thought that they were referring to like, I can't wait. Subpar employees. Oh my God. (laughs) Like C-level. And everyone would be like, well, I mean, not, not your C-level employees. And I would be like, Okay. And they'd be like, oh, you know, you really got to protect those C level. And I would be like, do you? Do you? Do, <laughs> like the last people. There, I, I, I read about. one like article in the Wall Street Journal that was talking about how C level employees need different kinds of health care. And I was like, do they? <laughs> and then I, anyway, so it turns out, and y'all may already know this, but it turns out it's referring to like the C of CEO yeah. or CTO or COO. It's yeah. re- it's referring to the word chief. Yes. That really, uh. it, that, that made every <laughs> business article I've ever read change meaning completely. Yep. Anyway. That's wild. Mary, if your boss sent you a book, 
called How to Be a Good C-Level Employee, that may have been a compliment and it may have been an attempt to give you a massive promotion. <laughs> and don't interpret it the way I did as being like, are you saying that I'm slightly just average? Oh, boy. This is wild. I, well, I, it all makes sense now, John, as to why I'm the one running the company. It's true. <laughs> it's true. I mean, that's not the only reason, but it is one of the reasons. So, Mary... You're doing great. Your boss didn't crush it here. Yeah. Just try to get out of this as quickly and elegantly as you can. You don't you don't need to comment, but it is like if you could manage to say something positive and insightful, it will endear your boss to you. Ugh. I know. This next question comes from Abby, who writes, and Hank. Yeah. We've been doing this podcast for a long time. Yeah. We have never gotten a question that hurt my feelings as much as this one. <laughs> Dear John and Hank, hey? if I'm making a key lime pie mm -hmm. and I need lime zest, mm -hmm. can I go to the store with a zester and just sort of zest a bit of lime? Oh, no. I don't need the whole lime. What about the other citrus? Could I do this with oranges? Is it stealing? <sighs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. It is yeah. stealing. Yeah. It's 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 not like it's not just stealing. It's tampering with other people's food. Right. It's much worse than stealing. Right. Because it's it's stealing. Like your zester. I don't know how clean your zester is, Abby. No, it's the equivalent. How often do you disinfect your zester? I don't know where this person's zester has been. Exactly. No. So obviously you can't do this. But this does. I understand where you're coming from because the zest of a lime seems like the trash part. That's not the part I want when I buy a lime usually. Though this seems to have changed in the last 15 years when now suddenly every recipe is asking me to zest something. Well, here's the thing, Abby. First off, you shouldn't be zesting a lime. You should be zesting a key lime if you're making key lime pie. I don't want to get into the weeds of this, <laughs> but if you're making key lime pie with regular limes, you're not making key lime pie. You're making lime pie. I don't. Do, do people know about you and key lime pies? For a while, John was like a semi-professional key lime pie tester. You, you were really into this. Oh, I was really. I was a really good key lime pie tester, and I do have very strong opinions about key lime pie. But that's that's not what we're here for. We're here to get Abby to stop <laughs> yeah. stealing limes and then returning them yeah. to the grocery store mangled. So really, the I, question becomes like, what do you do with the rest of the? Because you don't like you're using the trash part of the lime to to zest for your key lime pie. What do you do with the rest of the lime? There are so many things to do with a lime. Yes, you do one Make of the some billion things. Right, you put it in your bubbly water. You, I mean, a lime is, is perhaps the single most usable food in that entire section of the grocery store. Yeah, like, they're so good. literally anything. You could just squirt the lime juice directly into your mouth. It's delicious, slightly sour, but delicious. I, <laughs> What baffles me about this is that anytime I get a recipe where I have to zest a lime, my first thought is, thank God a new lime is coming into my life. The only time I don't feel good about a lime coming into my life is when it's one of those scooters. What's that? It's the no, the scooter company, John. Lime. Oh, you were making a, a mechanized scooter joke. Yes. Okay, boomer. <laughs> Wow, okay, that phrase is over. John killed it. It happened. I did it. I did it. 
<laughs> boomers learned about it. One of the things I love about being 42 is that people are accusing me of being a baby boomer. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm a, I, people are calling me a boomer. I'm barely Gen X. It's almost like all these things are made up. Yeah. And what really happens is that as people get older, uh, they seek to conserve the power that they have acquired or have had handed down to them uh, regardless of what the right. name of their generation is. Yeah. Our next question comes from Olivia, who writes, Dear John and Hank, I currently have a concussion. I'm sorry to hear that, Olivia. I can't read or look at screens, mm -hmm. so I've taken to listen to podcasts. Nice. However, I have now listened to every Dear Hank and John, many of them multiple times. Any podcast recommendations? Oh, yeah. First, I want to say that I once had a concussion, but I didn't know it until I went in to record SciShow and looked at the teleprompter and was like, None of those are words, and if I can't do this anymore, then this is very bad. So I went to the doctor, because I'd walked into a piece of wood at a construction site, but I got better. So that's the good news. Good story, Boomer. <laughs> no, that's not how that works. Oh, it's going to... Oh, I'm just getting started. Oh, okay. I am also glad you're okay, because I would make a terrible SciShow host. <laughs> <laughs> Olivia, my first recommendation is to listen to our other podcasts, uh, especially... Right. Yes. I, I am especially a fan of Delete This, but SciShow Tangents is also great. I make a podcast uh, with WNYC called The Anthropocene Reviewed, which is a nice little 20-minute bite of writing that you can get once a month in your podcast ears. I mean, the wild thing to me is that you don't know about all the podcasts. There are so many podcasts. It, it's unlimited. I will make suggestions, though. Uh, the Bright Sessions is a very good fictional podcast. Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is wonderful exploration of being human. 99% Invisible, I listen to pretty much every episode of. I also love The Illusionist. Oh, yeah, totally. The A-L-L-U-S-I-O, etc. I listen to Today Explained and The Daily sometimes, but not every time. When I want to like know more about an issue and actually get a fairly nuanced and deeper take than I would get from Twitter or even television news. If you like soccer, Men in Blazers is an amazing podcast. Also, I, to reveal myself as an old school fan of public radio, there are three public radio podcasts I listen to every single new episode of. They are Planet Money, Radio Lab, and This American Life. I also still really enjoy the fresh air interviews that Terry Gross does. Uh, so there's just so many good podcasts out there. There's so many good podcasts. We are in a golden age of podcasts and like a silver age of podcast listenership. It's <laughs> <laughs> very true. Uh, and I I've, and I listen to every episode. Of, if you want a, a, a very similar thing to Dear Hank and John, but funnier, of course, My Brother, My Brother and Me. Oh. And I also listen to every episode of The Adventure Zone. And also there are like side podcasts, like Wonderful and Schmanners and Sawbones are all hilarious. And those boys are the best. I completely agree, Hank, which reminds me that today's podcast is brought to you by the McElroy brothers. The McElroy <laughs> brothers making dozens, possibly even hundreds of high quality podcasts for your listening enjoyment. This podcast is also brought to you by Law and Order Special Dentist Unit. <laughs> <laughs> they're, 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 they're here with teeth to solve your crime. Uh, today's podcast is also brought to you by Pregnant Harry Styles. Pregnant Harry Styles, 
coming soon to a Project for Awesome near you? Mm, I hope so. And also this podcast is brought to you by the popping paper mache anglerfish. It's just like what happened. This episode of Dear Hang John is brought to you by Thrive Market. Thrive Market is there to help you maintain the kinds of habits that you want to have. For me, I need to have the right kind of food in the house or I will eat whatever. Oreo recently sent me some free fancy Oreos. They were weird. I ate all of them. I ate all of them in a week and it was a problem. I can't do that. I need to have healthy good stuff in the house and Thrive Market can help you have healthy habits. It's a great go-to for all your grocery and household essentials and the convenience of getting everything online and then like just quickly ship to the doorstep. It's a huge time saver. Thrive Market carries brands with great ingredients and sourcing methods. They got Amy's, Banza, Burt's Bees, Chobani, Honest Kids, Kind, Mike's Hot Honey, Oatly, Olipop, Poppy, Salt, I've never heard of salt, but it's got two A's in it, so it has to be good. And as a Thrive Market member, you can save money on every single grocery order. On average, you can save over 30% every time. And they also have a deals page that changes every day. When you join Thrive Market, you are also helping a family in need with their one-for-one membership matching program. You join, they give. Join in on the savings with Thrive Market today and get 30% off your first order, plus a $60 free gift. I enjoyed my $60 free gift. I was surprised by it, and it was the kind of thing I wouldn't have bought. And then now I'm like on the ghee train. They gave me free ghee. And I was like, I don't know what ghee is. But then I was like, oh, this is great. It's like butter, but it's different and more spreadable. <laughs> Go to thrivemarket.com slash dearhank for 30% off your first order plus that free $60 gift. That's thrive, T-H-R-I-V-E market.com slash dearhank, thrivemarket.com slash dearhank. When you bring a deep sea creature up from the depths of the ocean. All right, Hank, before we get to the all-important news from Mars and AFC Wimbledon, I want to get to one more question. It's from Laura, and she writes, Dear John and Hank, my church has always had a steeple with a bell that they would ring by hand every Sunday. Unfortunately, we switched over to a digital pre-recorded bell that plays through the steeple. It's run through a computer and speaker system. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really make sense to me why we don't use our perfectly good bell anymore, but that's not my question. Uh My question is, I run a lot of the sound equipment for services and the bands that play at the church, and I was shown how the steeple music works. You can literally play any song through it. Uh So my question is, what song should I blast through the church steeple? (laughs) I mean... So we have a we have a somewhat similar thing at my church where with Episcopalians, you know, they're like a little bit more Catholic than most Protestants. And so there's there's some kneeling and there's a, there's a certain solemnity around the uh, the Eucharist. Anyway, there's a moment where like the the bread gets broken by the priest And in that moment, the bell rings three times. Mm -hmm. And I used to be so impressed back in the old days when the bell would be really well-timed. And then sometimes it wouldn't be. You know, sometimes the bell would come in like four seconds early and everyone would kind of giggle. But now I think the priest just like has to hit a button and the bell rings three times, which has kind of like taken the magic out of it for me. But I have often thought like it would be so badass if one, just one time, it was the riff from Stairway to Heaven. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, so what? What are we? What is the point that we're? What we want to get across through the bells? Is it like like Hollow Notes private eyes? Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, do, you, do you mean like what is trying to be accomplished religiously in that moment? No, it is not like Hollow Notes private eyes. <laughs> God is God is here, and they're watching, and God is watching you. No, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs> 
think that is a great. But like the bells version oh where it's God. like ding, 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 like that. I want to hear more about what you think the contemporary <laughs> liberal Protestant Christianity is all about, because that that initial glimpse into it is fascinating to me. What about what about, um, you know, for like when uh, like on Easter, is that when uh-huh. Jesus comes back or that's Good Friday? <laughs> Oh my God! <laughs> Sorry, Good Easter's fr- when he comes back, right? Yes. What What about since you've been gone by Kelly Clarkson? Ding 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 ding. <laughs> oh God, that's such a good idea. Good, okay. It is a really celebratory. You can get away with all kinds of things on Easter Sunday at church. So sure. it, it, that's not impossible. Okay. I almost, I almost want to give you money to start your own church because I think, I think you would just make it bananas and really great. <laughs> yeah, no, that always goes well. Yes. In my experience, when you take charismatic people with extremely healthy egos and you tell them to start a religion, everything works out perfectly. It goes fine. The two chapters of the Hank Green story. <laughs> the first. There's the first chapter. The first 40 years were great. <laughs> <laughs> then, then, then his brother gave him $4,000 of startup capital. And that's how we ended up with Hankism. <laughs> oh, that gave me the baddest taste. All right, Hank, it's time to get to the all It's time for a million dollar <sighs> idea. Another million dollar idea. Somebody tweeted on the internet. They had a million dollar idea. It's from Alex, who says a million dollar idea. Uber Express, it's like normal Uber, but all traffic laws are thrown out the window and you get where you need to go on time. <laughs> Minimum of 500 horsepower. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about that idea is bad. Oh, it's so bad. That's a, that, that would be a catastrophe. They have this in Russia uh, where oligarchs can pay extra money to have a blue light that they put on their car and they get to violate traffic rules. So that I'm sure that it goes great there. I'm going to throw it out there. I don't think we want to emulate that. No. Also, I will pay for the opposite of this. What's the opposite of this? A special Uber for going very slowly and carefully. <laughs> That's so true. That that I would pay a premium for if there's like a list of pre-approved Uber drivers yeah. who err on the side of caution. Yeah, no, I had an Uber drive recently from this guy who was in an absolutely no hurry to get me anywhere. And I was like, I'm going to give you a $10 tip. This was great. Oh, that's great, Hank. That's great. That can be one of the tenets of Hankism. Yeah, just nice and slow. You know, ultimately, ultimately, we waste a lot of time in our lives, and more of that time should be wasted trying to not die during the most dangerous moments of our day. Is that, you really think the most dangerous moment of your day is when you're driving? Yes, scientifically, absolutely. No, not for me. (laughs) For me, it's when I'm juggling fire. Oh, right. Yes, of course, John does live on the edge. Uh, yeah, it's just the only way I can feel alive. You, <laughs> it's when I'm right. free. For for me, like probably the most dangerous part of my day is when I'm free soloing large flat rock faces, uh, jumping out of airplanes, bungee jumping. John, what is what what is the the actual thing that you do that that uh, gets your adrenaline pumping? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really need to do anything. Uh, I, it's mostly a thought-based thing for me. Like, I can get my adrenaline pumping. Abs- yes. In fact, when you asked that question, my palms got sweaty. I felt my heart rate increase because I, I mean, the difference between me and somebody like Alex Honnold, who in order to feel alive has to, like, climb up El Capitan or whatever, mm-hmm. is that I am never more than one quick thought away from feeling all of that rush, all that terror. <laughs> I'm an adrenaline junkie for my own thoughts. Yeah, it's like a superpower where like, oh, that's you want to feel that easy. Just close your eyes and imagine the coming doom. <laughs> oh, man, we had so many questions this week that were great. And we will uh, thank you for, to everybody for sending them in. You can send them to hankandjohn at gmail.com if you want us to answer your questions. John, do you have news from AFC Wimbledon? Yeah, so, yeah, uh, I mean, look, the good news is that uh, there have been some new visuals released for the AFC Wimbledon Stadium for what the inside mm-hmm. of it is going to look like. It's going to have some, it's going to look really nice. I mean, I, who knows if architectural drawings are what things actually look like, but I'll, I'll put one or two of these on the Patreon. It looks like it's going to be a beauty of a stadium. It's going to seat 9,000 people which is about right, I think, for for Wimbledon. Good. And uh, it's going to be small, compact. You're going to feel close to the action. There are luxury boxes along one side, which is a super important thing for revenue generation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it looks really good. Blue and yellow theme for the furniture, which is what you'd expect. The news on the pitch is pretty minimal at the moment. We're still in 21st place, which is the the place we don't want to be in. We really want to be in 20th place. We just want to right. swap spots. Currently sitting in 20th place is the franchise currently playing its trade in Milton Keynes. And it'd be great to just just have a quick swap with them. <laughs> uh, they have experience uh-huh. um, taking stuff from us. Right. So it'd be great if they could just uh, take that 21st spot from us. <laughs> oh, damn. Well, in the, uh, this week's Mars news, the Mars 2020 rover is up. It's standing. It's like a baby with six titanium legs and aluminum 20.7 inch diameter motorized wheels. This is the first time the rover has put all of its weight on its legs. The current wheels in the rover are actually just for testing, but they will be replaced with the uh, eventual flight models that will actually go to Mars when it comes time to launch. They're designed to allow the rover to turn 360 degrees in place and to handle tilts of up to 45 degrees without tipping over. In addition to the wheels, engineers at JPL unwrapped the rover and fully wiped it down, which kind of extends the... It's like baby comparison that we're doing to a weird place. Yeah. The engineers have removed a protective layer of foil and they wiped it down with isopropyl alcohol to make sure that it doesn't contaminate any future samples from Mars with stuff from our planet. So it's happening, John. Wow. And is it going into space in 2020? Or is it going to Mars in 2020? The plan is for it to launch in 2020 and land in February of 2021. Okay. So... It's really the Earth 2020 rover and the Mars 2021 <laughs> rover, just, just to be clear. 
you know, it's it's fine to name the things the way that NASA names them. I'm not going to step on that. All right. I agree. It's exciting <laughs> to know that this beautiful titanium baby is on its way to Mars. I'm super excited. I, yeah. And I really I'm getting ready for them to actually name this thing. It won't it will not eventually be called the Mars 2020 rover. No, it'll, it'll be called name some kind of noun, right? Like curiosity. Yes. Right. Usually, yes. So it'll get it should get some name like that. I hope. I have a, I have an idea for a good noun. Mm-hmm. Hank. <laughs> It'd be hilarious if it's like this is our opportunity rover and this is our curiosity rover. And over here we have Hank. The contest to name the rover actually closed on November 1st. I so, know. I already um, submitted my name. Oh, OK. It was was it Hank? Hank. All right. Well, hopefully they will decide on a name and hopefully it won't be Hank very soon. (laughs) All right, Hank, thank you for potting with me. Thanks to everybody for listening. This podcast is a co-production of Complexly and WNYC Studios. It's produced by Rosianna Hals Rojas and Sheridan Gibson, edited by Joseph Tunamedish, and our head of community and communications is Victoria Bongiorno. The music you're hearing now and at the beginning of the podcast is by The Great Gunnarola. You can email us at hankandjohn at gmail.com. You can find our patron-only podcast at patreon.com slash dearhankandjohn. And as they say in our hometown, Don't forget to be awesome.